0: Hey, I'm John. This is John Helps you Write Better. And today, you know, the thing I want to talk about today, I can't guarantee for certain that it's going to magically have you writing better. But I can guarantee you it's definitely something to have you think about, which is really all I'm ever going for. So let's talk today about a thing that maybe we should be talking more about, but it's not exactly writing advice. Here we go. Many years ago, I had a conversation with a woman who was on the fence about getting some coaching. Ultimately, she decided against it because she was worried that people would find out she had hired a writing coach to help her get over her writer's block and help her finish her book. She was afraid that the the optics of needing to ask for help would cause people to think less of her as an author. That she wasn't smart enough to to do her own work. She wasn't smart enough to know how to how to get published or anything like that. She wanted that that visual marketable sense of I did a thing all by myself. She ultimately uh, did go on to publish the book by herself. She did go on to I think she's writing book number three or four at this point. I I don't know if she's ever got past her writer's block issue or if it still crops up from time to time. I don't even know if she'll hear this podcast. But um, in the course of that conversation, she mentioned something that since she mentioned it, I have not forgotten. It has not been lost on me at all. And we were talking about things like, is she going to use a pen name and what is she writing about and how that's going? And she mentioned that she couldn't possibly imagine two things happening. One, she couldn't imagine her family finding out that she had written this particular book that she had written. And two, she did not want anyone at her job to know that she had written this book she had written. Now, she began to describe the nature of her writing like she was funneling nuclear secrets to some sort of terrorist organization or that she was you know, using some kind of secret knowledge that had been locked away in an alternate dimension for a thousand years and only by violating the magic codex could this information go out into the world. She made this book sound like it was this deeply private ancient eldritch thing. And so I asked her about it because she was hyping this thing up and she described it as the raunchiest sexiest, dirtiest book she had ever read or written. She had previously like started writing 10 or so drafts and then always bailed out at about the halfway point and then never finished them. But this book, this new one she had, her 11th was going to be just th- the capital D dirtiest, capital R raunchiest, capital S sexiest smut that has ever smutted all over the smutty place. And I, I was intrigued because normally you don't talk to a lot of authors who right off the bat grab all the hyperbole and put it all into one sentence. So I said, well, what makes it so dirty? Like, is, it's not erotica, so we're not describing, like, really intense sex acts we're not we don't have page upon page of people entering other people or somehow there's some body parts getting used you don't sound like you're describing anything deeply transgressive or or really shocking or anything so what's making this book the ist on on all your superlative lists and she described that this book more than all the others more than any she had ever read before she was a an avid romance reader in her words more than anything else this book was the most sexy because she used the word cock now i didn't want to tell her that that's that, that's only a little sexy and it's pretty normal in most hetero Romance is to find some way of describing a cock or, or using the word cock or in some way just bringing it up because it's present in heterosex scenes to some degree. And she was making it sound like nobody else had ever done this ever before. And I didn't want to get like stuck on it or hung up on it because it sounded she was clearly like seconds away from, you know, clutching her pearls about it. But I wanted to talk to her about the two points she made that ultimately um, were more of a big deal to me than the fact that she mentioned, you know, genitals. Point number one, she didn't want her family finding out that she had written this book. Now, I can understand some of that to some degree if your family is particularly conservative or there are religious implications or you are just overall afraid that your family is going to judge you negatively negatively. For producing a thing that maybe goes outside the way they normally consider you. Like, if you're considered by your family to be a very sort of quiet, wholesome person, chances are, you know, you writing a scene where some lady takes a ride on a dude, like that might be shocking for them and that might change the way they think about you. And you don't want them to change the way they think about you. So, you don't want your family saying something or maybe they'll be more critical like they think like dancing in footloose you've somehow committed some kind of transgression against some invisible deity that they believe in so you you've now ruined eternity for yourself because you described a, a body part doing things or somehow some way some family member would be incensed or angry that you had done this thing and clearly maybe if like you were writing a murder mystery and you kill off the old woman, clearly like grandma or or somebody's going to think that you mean them because they're so self centered and and absorbed by themselves that clearly they're the point of everybody's stories or some kind of bullshit like that. You know this idea that um, your story, your fiction, is an outlet for the problems you have in your life. Because they can't conceive of creativity beyond catharsis. I can understand that to some degree. Your family being so emotionally neutered or unavailable or just plain old shitty, abusive, and toxic that they can only perceive of creativity as a vehicle for complaint as opposed to a vehicle for positivity. So they're going to look poorly upon you for having done a thing that puts you out in the world for whatever reason because they believe you should stay within the box they assign you. And any deviation thereof is a, a, a rule-breaking of the highest regard when it comes to the family. You're not behaving, you're letting them down, you're disappointing them, which is all bullshit, just so we're clear. Before we move to the second point, uh, no one other than you... Defines the box or boxes you want to be a part of. You, not them, not your parents, not your mom, not your dad, not your 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 spouse, not your ex, not your grandparents, not your aunt or uncle or distant second cousin or whatever. Nobody else gets to decide where you are or how you are regarded beyond. You. You get to make those decisions. Other people can wield a tremendous amount of influence, and the pressure you feel to do or not do something in order to stay within their good bounds may be enormous. You may feel like, oh, man, I can't possibly, like... Tiptoe out of the way because otherwise, holy shit, you know, what are they going to think? I'm uncomfortable taking this risk. It feels dangerous to change their perspective of me. I can completely understand that. That makes sense. However, it is important to remember that you are in charge of your life. Even in those moments where you swear and feel that it is not the case. You are in charge of your life and you are in charge of your creativity and you are in charge with the means by which you interface with the world. So, if you want to be a person who explores your thoughts and feelings, your identity, your sexuality, your experience, your compassion, your anger, your frustration, your beauty, your whims, your humor, your whatever through creating a story, that is something you can do. Absolutely. And nobody. Nobody can take that away from you unless you give it to them. I can understand being afraid of family response, but that doesn't mean you should avoid living as yourself or being yourself just because you don't want other people to be upset. It is time, and there will be times in your life, where you prioritize yourself And that does not mean in order to do that, you have to diminish other people. You are welcome and allowed and encouraged to stand as equals to them, not subordinates to them. You get to be you no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter how you are, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on. You are you and you are just as good, if not better in some cases, than the people who would seek to hold you back. That's important. That's important part one of how I reacted and responded to this lady and how I'm passing this information on to you. But part two is interesting-er because it seems like complete bullshit to me. It isn't and it bothers me that it isn't. But here's part two. She also mentioned that because of her job, she was a, a middle school teacher or a, uh, an upper elementary school teacher. So she was teaching kids rather than like teens or adults or something. Because of her job, she was unable to act in a, in a, in a creative way that involved sexuality. She had a morals clause in her contract that prohibited her from expressing herself. And my first thought was how the fuck did your teacher's union permit you to sign such a restrictive thing? And she later mentioned how she's part of a state that doesn't have a union because of fascists. But beyond that, I I could not imagine your job um, dictating to you what you do on your time off. It's not like, you know, she's, trafficking drugs for the cartel so she has to be on call 24 hours a day. She's not a doctor or a lawyer where her time is more dedicated to the service position she finds herself in. She's a lady who gets summers off, who has maybe not lots of free time during the week, but certainly enough where she can casually write, you know, 10 books and not finish them, so she has some control over her time. She's been on vacations. She's posted things on Facebook. Like She's had time, and I cannot imagine being okay with being put in a position where other people under threat of capitalism can dictate to you what you do when you are away from those people. The moral clause and the moral outrage and the fear of reprisal on that level is shocking to me. Because I understand that you have to keep your job because it keeps a roof over your head, it puts food in your stomach, and it means you don't get to, you don't have to like suffer hardship living on the street or you don't have to struggle to survive as much as you do. I understand that if you've been a longtime listener of mine, you know I am intimately familiar with those struggles. I get it. But at the same time, I, I can't fathom. Handing over that kind of independence and that kind of ability in your own life willingly, no job should sacrifice your ability to be you. Your identity, your ability to interface with the world, your want to connect with others is the greatest thing you have. More than how great your ass looks, more than how great your tits are, more than how great you know or big or mighty your dangling genitals are, more than your bank account, more than your fashion sense, more than your social media account, your ability to be you is every fucking thing. It's the prize. It's the, it's the whole enchilada, not just the sauce on top or the cherry on top of the sundae. I cannot fathom wanting a job so badly that you would be willing to dictate or let them dictate how it is you can exist beyond their boundaries. Do you also have a clause in your contract for when you're going to like blow your nose? Because that's the kind of control you're giving up. I understand that that's an absurdist example, but your job stops at a certain point. You go home. Now, I don't know if you live in a company town where your job owns your home, but even within the confines of your home, they can't control what you do. You can speak freely. You can think. You can write things down. I don't know if we're living in a Truman show S existence where there are cameras everywhere and you are under constant scrutiny and observation. But... um, Judging by the fact that what you post on social media or on Facebook isn't immediately like scrubbed clean for whatever reason, uh, chances are you can get away with with writing some f- made up shit about made up people, maybe even using the word cock. And I understand on some level, though, that beyond the, the rigors of the capitalist side of the job, I can understand, again, it coming down to I don't want to show my coworkers this thing because I don't want my coworkers to think a thing about me. I get it. Here's the problem. You can't control what they think of you. I understand that when you say, I don't want them to think bad of me, you don't think of it as control. You are just trying to eliminate, you know, some percentage of the spectrum upon which they might think of you. They can think good things about me. They can think great things about me. I just don't want them to think bad things about me. That's still controlling their response. That's still controlling their reaction. Because even if you use a pen name, even if you roll your work out there, somebody somewhere, a consumer of your book is possibly going to like your work or not like your work. You can't control what they think. You can't control the one star, two star, three star mediocre review. You can't control the five star novel. You can't control anybody else other than you. So, what exactly, um, what exactly are you afraid of? They're gonna fire you. Your job will will say you violated the morals clause because you wrote a book. I'm fairly certain that's actionable. Or at least, you know, you could raise a fuss. I I Okay, maybe maybe you, you can't raise a fuss because you don't have a union, which is why you should have a union. But you, you, you don't want to raise a fuss because you don't want to rock the boat because you can't afford the legal fees. And see how far we've already jumped out on limbs in order to make this happen? But let's say, okay, you don't want to raise a fuss. You don't want to cause a legal battle. You don't want to debate them. You will just let them control you you will just say, I'm so sorry, I won't do this thing I want to do. Where does that stop then? Where do you let them abuse you? The same is true with your family. I don't want them to think bad about me. Okay, how long were you planning on letting them dictate the quality of your life? Were you waiting for them to die? Uh, I hate to tell you this, it's going to be a while. And You don't want to wake up one day and realize that, oh, I've let too much time go by and now I feel like I'm behind the eight ball myself because I've been waiting for this person who I know doesn't like me and whose opinion I've been trying to win over or ignore. I've been waiting for them to die and now they're gone. Now what? The point of all this and what I'm trying to get across and what I'm trying to say is that you get to determine how you act and what you do and how you identify and who you are and how you live your life. And other people be they family, parents, boss, coworkers, children, neighbors, whatever, other people are going to have their own reactions. You don't know what they are in advance. You can't control them when they have them. You can't schedule them to have them at a certain time. And I understand a want of everything to go well. You want things to be good, but you don't know how it's going to go unless you try. Sort of like somebody would say to you, like you don't know if you don't like those vegetables until you eat them. You won't know you like the movie until you watch it. You don't know how the response is going to go until you put the thing out to be responded to. Plenty of people want their kids to be happy on the parents' terms rather than the kids' terms. Plenty of bosses want workers to be obedient drones who do not cause a fuss but yield maximum productivity for the least expense with maximum oversight to minimize problems. They want obedient servants. They want slaves. They want exploitable masses. You don't have to be any of those things. You have to be you. And if that means you have to identify or operate in a way that makes somebody else uncomfortable and all you get to do for that is exist, then you're going to exist right in their fucking face. There's nothing to apologize for. You're not bad or wrong for writing the word cock in a romance novel. You're not a terrible human damned for all eternity because you wrote a fantasy novel where you made up an arc. Like, I, I understand that there's social pressure and groups around you, surrounding you, informing you that if you do this thing or behave in this way, that you are bad and wrong. And I'm telling you as an outsider who spends his time looking at people and helping them do the thing they want to do, this is the best thing in the world to do, to, to have something that's your own, that you're proud of, and proud of it for yourself. Not to try and make other people happy, not to try to convince them to suddenly love you, not to earn their forgiveness, not to earn their trust, not to change the nature of the, your relationship after years of it being a bucket of shit. Your job is to produce the best thing for yourself. And all those other people all that family, all the work, all the pastors, all the preachers, all the deacons, all the neighbors, all the gossipy old cunts, all those folks, fuck them. Fuck them if they can't take a joke. Fuck them if they don't understand. You don't have to earn them or win them over in order for you to be you. That's super, super important. You're good enough to be you. And by the way, putting the word cock in a romance novel is sort of like putting a comma in a sci-fi novel. It doesn't fucking matter. Whatever. The point is, when you start worrying about what other people are going to think or say or do when you when you start going out on those limbs and getting into those spaces, the thing to do is come back and remember why you're doing what you're doing, and what you love about doing what you're doing, and how you can continue to do it better because you can't control those other people and you don't have to. Please keep working because it brings you joy. Please keep doing the thing you want to do to reach the goal that you want to reach, and leave the other people to be as miserable or as shitty or as fucked up or as toxic as they want to be. It's not your job to fix them. It's not your job to apologize for being who you are. It's your job to express yourself, period. Give that some thought, and I will talk to you next week.